The lyrics there says, Father, I can hear it growing louder. The song of your redeemed as the saints of every nation. Let me tell you, saints are rising up all over this world, proclaiming the goodness of God, are awakening to sing. From our hearts, there comes an anthem. You want me to tell you what our anthem is today? Our anthem is amazing grace. Our anthem is amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I don't know about you, but I was in the pit, in the miry clay. I was going down for my last time. But Jesus Christ come by my way. He gave to me what I didn't deserve. He extended his grace unto me. And now I am a worshiper of his. Let me tell you, he's looking for true worshipers who will worship him and in truth. He's not looking for nobody that only worship him in a building. He's looking for a people that will worship him wherever they're at in spirit and in truth. So if that's your anthem today, as they sing it one more time, give him what is so rightfully due to him. All of his worship, all of your praise. Sing it again. Father, Lord, we come to you today, and Lord, we cry out unto you, Lord, and we declare and proclaim your holiness, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. We thank you for who you are, Lord. Lord, if we've never done any, if you've never done anything else, Lord, but save our soul, Lord, it's enough to praise you for. But God, you've moved time and time and time again, Lord, in our lives. You've always been faithful, Lord, even when we've not always been faithful to you, Lord. You've always been faithful to us, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be, as that song says, the true worshipers are rising. Lord God, worshiping you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done, Lord. And we continue to trust you. We continue to look to you. And we continue to ask you, Lord, to have your way. And, Lord, we know that you are going to continue to do the great things, Lord that only you can do and will forever give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bible, turn with us to the book of John, chapter 4. The book of John, chapter 4. And if you're just joining in with us online or maybe midway um, during praise and worship, we seems we have some more to jump on. We thank you for tuning in with us, and we thank you that... Uh, keep coming back and watching us. We see some familiar names up on there, and we're so thankful. Some of you are out of state, and uh, we are, and you have been faithful to always watch every service, and we just pray uh, that things that have been said, number one, brings exaltation to the Lord, and that you have been tremendously uh, blessed by the word that's going forth. Amen, because it's still the word. Amen, it's all about the word, and that's what changes us. That's what 
uh, blesses us and challenges us. Amen. So John chapter 4, and we'll be reading a few more verses than normal, but uh, it's important that we read this so that you get the understanding of the Scripture. And I know that this is a familiar passage of Scripture uh, that we have all heard preached time and time and time again, and there is uh, uh, many different routes that you can take. In fact, I did not even have intentions on preaching this message, and it was Thursday morning, I was getting ready to sit and prepare the other message that I had been taking notes for all week long. And then the Lord just laid this passage of Scripture upon my heart and said, uh, and specifically a phrase in it said, this is what I want you to preach on because the Lord knows who's going to be here and he also knows who's going to be watching online. Amen. And he's in control and he knows uh, what he is doing. And so we trust uh, in the work that he's doing and we trust in his word. Amen. So John chapter 4, and we'll be starting with verse number 7. And the Bible says, there comes a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus said unto her, Go, call your husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband in that you said truly. Jump with us to verse 25. The woman said unto him, I know that Messiah comes, which is called Christ, and when he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I, who speak unto you, am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What do you seek, or why do you talk with her? The woman then, underline that, then left her water pot. Then left her water pot, and went her way into the city, and said to the man, Come, see a man. Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Is this not the Christ? I want to preach to you a moment. A message that the Lord laid upon my heart. A woman, a well, and a water pot. A woman, a well, and a water pot. Bow your heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you again in the name of your Son, Jesus. And again, Lord, we are so thankful, Lord, for the privilege and the opportunity, Lord, to stand up here and to preach your anointed word. Lord, we thank you for the presence of the Lord that is here in this house. Lord, we thank you for your spirit, Lord. There is nothing any greater than to say that the presence of the Lord is here, that your spirit is here, God. And Lord, we know that you've showed up, that you're here to do a work in our hearts and in our lives. And Lord, though I know that we may have heard this message preached time, time again, but Lord, you've laid this message upon my heart, and God, we want 
And we would pray, Lord, that the way you would have it to be delivered would be delivered. Lord, I pray, God, that, that we would lay aside every distraction, every hindrance, Lord, every thought, Lord God, of, of later what we're going to have to do or even tomorrow. Lord, let us lay it aside for this moment, Lord. And for this moment in time, let us give our attention to you because, Lord, you deserve our attention. Lord, I pray that you would anoint us, Lord, to deliver your word as we depend solely upon your anointing. Because, Lord, I recognize that apart from you, I can do nothing. I recognize, Lord, that apart from you, Lord, I cannot stand up here and proclaim anything, Lord. And it doesn't matter how well I articulate it. It doesn't matter how I convey it, Lord, without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Lord. It will not do Lord, what you desire for it to do. So, Lord, we hide behind your cross today. We ask, Lord, that you would anoint those that are listening by the way of Internet, those that are here in the sanctuary, Lord. And, God, I pray that you would toil up the soil of our heart, Lord, that your word that goes forth would fall upon good ground and bring forth the wonderful fruit, Lord, that you can only bring forth. And we will forever give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. And amen. If you were to take... A close look at the four synopsis gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You would find that Jesus spent most of his time with the nobodies of society. You see, he spent time with the ones whom the world and much of the church has deemed unfit. He spent time with those who were looked down upon, the cast down and trodden, the lower class of the echelon of society, if you will. And in fact, if you would read through the Gospels, how you would see how he was even questioned as to why he would eat with publicans and sinners. He was questioned many times, what are you doing with these? And we see the encounters that he had with people was the people that were considered nobodies of society. You know, we see that he came to the blind, he came to the lame, he came to the people that Mark chapter 2 verse 17 says that when he heard of it, he said unto them, they who are whole have no need of the physician, but they who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, Christ was always seeking a people, always seeking a people who realized that they were sick who realized they were sick and in need of a physician. Those that realized that they didn't have it all together. Am I talking to anybody in here that don't have it all together, amen? That wasn't pure and holy, that, that could benefit from his touch and from his saving grace. Because the reality of it is, is that all of us are sick and in need of a physician. But until you see yourself as sick, you will never see the need of the physician. Until we see ourselves as sick, we'll never see the need of a physician. In fact, to be qualified for grace is to be unqualified and know it. To be qualified for grace is to be unqualified and know it. To realize that you don't deserve the goodness of God. To realize that what you deserve is hell, is wrath, is judgment. But yet you realize that it's only through what he did at Calvary's cross that he can extend goodness and that he can extend mercy, that he can withhold from you what you and I rightfully deserve. You see, I don't deserve to be standing up here behind the pulpit. Nobody up here deserves to be up on this platform. None of us deserve to be in here with our hands lifted high crying holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty but the reason why we can and the reason why we sing we pro 
proclaim his word, it's because we've been touched by the physician. Amen. We realized that we didn't deserve grace and we cried out unto him and that's all he needed us to do is say, Lord, touch me. Lord, touch me. We didn't have to come to him with some big long prayer. All we had to say is Jesus. And right then and there, his spirit moved upon us and brought to us what we did not deserve, his amazing grace. May I just say that not only in the world, not only is the world blind, but much of the church is spiritually blind too. You see, because the church, we as the church have become a church of self-righteousness, thinking that we can do something, thinking that we can obtain something on our own, failing, failing to see that our righteousness is as filthy rags. I am inclined to believe that much of the church today, especially of those, and I don't say this in a, in a bad way, in a sparingly way, but especially of those that have been saved such a long time have somehow forgotten where the Lord has brought them from. And somehow have thought that by things that they do or by things that they don't do, they are then made holy, they are able to maintain their righteousness. But your holiness and your righteousness is not predicated upon anything that you do or don't do, but the holiness and righteousness that you have is predicated upon the one who has already done it for you. Because it comes from Him none that is righteous there's none that is good our righteousness is as filthy rags that we ever need to be mindful of that each and every single day and the church is in desperate need of ourself desperate need of it so that we may see what we truly are apart from christ the same message that he was saying in revelations chapter 3 to the church of laodiceans that they were increased with good they said i'm not in need of anything we got everything that we want we got it all going on we've got it all together we're better than they are we know everything that we need to know and he looked at them and said and what an indictment you're blind you're poor you're wretched and you're miserable to the church. Now that's an indictment like I've never seen before. And mind you me that this is the church that we are living in today. The Laodicean church who thinks they're not in need of anything. They've been saved 20, 30, 40 years. They've tasted and seen that they're not. But let me tell you, you and I are in need of him each and every single day. We're in need of this fountain, amen. We're in need of this well. So here we find Jesus in this passage of Scripture leaving Judea and heading for Galilee. And the Bible says that he went through the city of Samaria. Now I want to note two things about this. The Jews at that time looked at the Samaritans as a half-breed people. And I don't have time to get into it. But if you'll go to 2 Kings chapter 17, you will see the formation of the Samaritans. And you will see why the Jews didn't like them. Because they looked at them as, as half-breeds, as no good. Because they were part Jewish and part Samaritan. And they didn't feel like that they were anything good. And so they, they, had, they were disregarding to them. They wanted nothing to do with them. In fact, the Jews of that day and time, when going from Judea to Galilee, would literally go around the long way just so they didn't have to pass through Samaria. And it would be an extra four-day journey. Remember you me, they didn't remind you, they didn't have Volvos and Pontiacs and the cars that we have today. They walked everywhere they went, amen. And they would literally go out of their way so that they didn't have to pass through this city. They didn't have to come and see these people. Because see, no self-respecting Jew would dirty themselves with the soil of the country. 
Aren't you so thankful that the Lord seen a need to come to you? And when you did not even realize that you had a need, but yet you wasn't even looking for him, but he came to you. He came to you. He, listen, I, you wasn't looking for him. He was looking for you. And he showed up on your doorstep. And for some of us, he had to show up multiple times. But I'm so thankful that after the first knock, even though I didn't answer, he didn't say, well, I'm done with them. They rejected me. I'm done. No, he knocked on my heart's door each and every single day. He kept knocking. He kept knocking because it was love that kept him there at the door that kept knocking there and said, hey, will you let me in? I desire to come in. I desire to change your heart. I know what you're in need of. I love you. Do you not know what I've done for you? Let me in. And praise be to God, one day I heard the voice of the Lord. One day that knock got a hold of my heart And the door that had stayed shut I swung it wide open And I said come on in And he came in Because that's what he's looking for People that will say come on in Jesus he don't care about the dirt. He didn't care about this dirty soul. He could care less about your field. He don't care how dirty your house is because the moment that he comes into your house, it may be dirty and filthy, but it's getting ready to be spotless and clean because that's what the blood of Jesus Christ will do. So why would Jesus go straight through the country of Samaria? Why would he go through this seeing as how the Jews would have nothing to do with these Samaritans, even to the point of not passing through the land? And if you'll back up a couple verses in John chapter 4, verse 4, you will see. And he must needs go through Samaria. We have to understand that even though Jesus was 100% God, he was still 100% man and 100% reliant upon the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we see that he was led by the Spirit to go into this city because of a particular woman that would be there that he desired to do a work in that would not just end up affecting her, but would end up affecting an entire city. Jesus being led by the Spirit should ever be a reminder to us that we need to be led by the Spirit in everything that we do. When Jesus says to speak, we need to speak. You never will know who you're going to come in contact with upon your job and your school and your family. You never know what is truly going on in the hearts of people that you come in contact with. But Jesus, being led by the Holy Spirit, knew about this woman and what was going on in her heart each and every single day. You don't know what's going on in the hearts of the people that you come in contact with every day that are depending, that are relying upon you being obedient to the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, we have all failed in that area. And I'm the first one to admit it. And when you walk away from the situation and you realize that you didn't speak what you said because we allow fear and doubt and what are they going to think get in our way, then I felt like a whipped dog afterward because I realized that that was a soul that at that moment he wanted to pour into, but because I was fearful, because I didn't trust that the Lord would fill my mouth, I said nothing. And we've all been there. All of us. See, we don't look at those things as sin. But it is. Because he that knows to do right and do it not, it is sin. So Jesus was obedient here to the Holy Spirit and went. And so he comes to the well being tired from his journey. And as he sits down on the well that was used to draw water from the Bible, it says that it was around the sixth hour, which would have been at 12 noon. Because at that time, they did not look at 12 o'clock midnight is the beginning of time, but they started their time at 6 a.m. So this was at 12 noon, dead middle of the day. But we find the entrance of a Samaritan woman 
who was on her way to the swell with the pot to fetch water. And he says, give me something to drink. Now, you need to understand that this would have been something that the average Jew would not have done. Listen, they wouldn't have even passed through, but if they had to pass through, they definitely wouldn't have spoken to a Samaritan because to talk to a woman is one thing, but to talk to a Samaritan would have been shocking to most Jews. In fact, we see that the disciples came back with food later on and they marveled that he was even talking to this woman. They marveled that he went into such a teaching with her, but they knew not to open up their mouth. Because Jesus ain't worried about nobody's rules. He ain't worried about their regulations. He don't care what man says you ought to do and what not to do. He's God, amen, and he'll do what he pleases. So Jesus asked her for something to drink and it came to a surprise to this woman because Jews in that day and time, would have not eaten or drinking anything from a vessel that the Samaritans had because they would have deemed themselves as unclean. So you can imagine how this woman felt as there she approaches the swell. She sees this man fully knowing that he's a Jew sitting there, and I'm sure she's walking by, her eyes upon him thinking, what in the world's going on here? And she goes about her business, getting ready to drop the pot into the well to pull up water that she was used to doing day in and day out. And then here this Jew is, looks at her and says, give me something to drink. I'm sure in her mind she thought, what kind of ulterior motive do you have, Jew? Because she didn't know who he was. She didn't know what he was there for. She had no idea how the conversation was getting ready to unravel. You see, if anything can be said about Jesus, it's that he did not follow man's protocol. He isn't interested in what they think. He's not interested in their rules. But the only thing he's interested in is to save that which is lost. To minister to his people. To pour out on the thirsty and to feed the hungry. And Matthew 18, 12 says, How do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine and go into the mountains and seek that which is gone astray? He will leave the ninety-nine and go after the one. I have been in services before that have sat with many, many people. In fact, I've even preached a revival one time for my grandparents who pastor that church, and they since then went on to be with the Lord, and my aunt was with me in that service. And it was amazing how the Lord moved, and he took a message and was able to meet needs. There was a person that got saved. There was a person that gave their heart to the Lord. There was a person rebaptized in the Holy Spirit. There was two healings that taken place because that's what his word does. I've seen him do it. And I've seen him also orchestrate services for one individual. Because that's how important each and every one of you and I are. And I know that we've heard this before and it needs to be said again. If he would have went to Calvary Cross just for you, he would have done it. If it would have just been for me, he loved me enough to go to Calvary's cross. He didn't go there because it was the entirety of the world. He didn't go there because, oh, I see a thousand people. He would have went there if it would have just been for me. So is that one not worth it? Regardless of the fact that there may be six or ten or twenty-five sitting in church, is it not worth it of that one individual that may be watching by internet, that may walk through these doors? Is it not worth it? Is there not a cause to be able to come into the house of the Lord, to assemble ourselves together and be used by God as a vessel to reach the lost? Is there not a cause? 
We think we can't form together because we don't have a church full of overheaping with people. And we think, well, I can't worship the Lord because, listen, all you need is an audience of one. God. And as that song says, let the worshipers arise, the true worshipers that worship him in spirit and in truth, that's not waiting to get to a building, that's not waiting for everybody to see him, but those that will walk down the road, and when they're walking, they'll lift their hands up toward heaven and say, Lord, I worship you. The ones that will drive down the road and tears coming down their eyes because they remember where he pulled them from. The ones that will be there in the grocery store and a song swells up within them, and they begin to sing, and even though there's eyes looking at them, they don't care because you don't know like I know him that's what he's looking for true worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth so Jesus asked her for something to drink and again it came to her as a surprise this alone again this verse and going after the 99 and for the one we see that the Lord will go through the most extensive ways to go after that one that is lost Jesus will pursue any and everybody. In fact, if you were to go back to the previous chapter, you will find Jesus ministering to Nicodemus. And we all read the passage of Scripture. We all know that Nicodemus said, what must I do to be saved? We, we, we see he questions it. Jesus says, you must be born again. He goes straight to the point. He goes straight to it. He don't go through this great teaching. He don't go through this whole class. He goes straight to the point. You must be born again. And then we see here in chapter 4 that he talks to a Samaritan woman. A nobody. A woman with quite a checkered past. He went from talking to the one that was over this Jewish Sanhedrin, the very top notch, the ones that probably men reverenced. He went from them all the way down to the ones that people seen as nothing more but dirt on the ground. So from John chapter 3 to John chapter 4, we see the two different extremes of people that Jesus ministered to. Letting us know that salvation is truly for whosoever. It's not just for the rich. It's not just for the poor. It's not just for the white man. It's not just for the black man. It's not for the ones that's got a big job. It's for whosoever. He pursues all lost sheep regardless of who they are and of what they have done. He went after everyone. And would it not do the church a, as a whole to get a hold of this? Because we tend to find ourselves, if we'll be honest, only going after those that we choose. We go after the ones that we think are good enough for salvation. And we will bypass that homeless man. We will bypass the drug addict. We will bypass the alcoholic. We will bypass the maimed, the halt, the blind, who Jesus said, go and fill my house with these people. But yeah, we'll bypass all of them and they need to hear this gospel. They need to hear this gospel. It's for whosoever will and we're not to pick and choose and say, well, I'll minister to this person. No, and a lot of times he wants to get us out of our comfort zone and stretch us and minister to a people because you would be very surprised. I have literally led people to the Lord in my job that I worked in for 20 years in an interview process where I led them to the Lord who would have never thought that was strung out on drugs, that was homeless, that was walking there to get a job and there I was able to lead them to the Lord he'll do it he's just looking for a willing vessel 
that will say, Lord, have your way in me. Lord, use me for your glory, for your honor. So we see that the Samaritan woman approaches Jesus around the sixth hour of the day. Now, this is important, and you need to understand that the sixth hour of the day was 12 o'clock noon. Now, in this day and time, women did not go fetch water at 12 noon. We're coming upon a season of summer, and I don't know about you, but I cannot hardly stand summertime. The heat is bad. It gets up to about 80 degrees. I always said heaven's going to be a cool 70. Aaron, probably 82. But I love, I love it. But so it, it was hot. So at this time of the day, there in the desert, women did not go fetch water at 12 o'clock noon. And that day and time, they would go either early in the morning or late in the evening when the sun wasn't beaming straight down upon their heads. Because remember, they were holding a water pot upon their head, also carrying a thing to fetch the water. And these women in this day and time would usually would go in groups together. They would travel together. They would converse on their way as they went to fetch water. But yet we see this woman at the sixth hour of the day, at 12 o'clock noon, when the sun would be beaming down, the hottest part of the day, going because she couldn't stand the stares of the other people. She couldn't stand the whispering behind her back. She couldn't stand the people talking about her and pointing her, their finger at her. Much of the church today would do. Because let's just be honest, this woman we see had quite a past. And I know of some names that many in the church would like to call a woman who had this kind of a past. Oh, no, I would never do that. Would we not? We look at people like that, and God forbid they've been married twice, and much of the church is cast against them, throws them out. There's no hope for you. Jesus' blood will wash away everything, but he won't get over that divorce. He won't bypass, he won't overlook this, and either the blood of Jesus Christ washes away every sin, or it doesn't atone for any at all. So we need to be mindful that when we're sitting back, and again, if not for the grace of God, if not for the grace of God, I'm the drug addict out there on the street. If not for the grace of God, I'm the alcoholic. If not for the grace of God, I'm living a life of morality. But because of the grace of God, I'm here today preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of his grace, we forget this. We think we've done this for so long. We throw on our suits. We dress the part. And we think we all got it going on. But did Jesus not look at the church in that day and say, you whitewashed tombs. You're on the outside. You look so good. You look so pretty to all the people. But on the inside, you're full of dead man's bones. Because man looks on the outer appearance, but Jesus is looking at the heart. And he will always go after that one that is hungry and that one is seeking because they, he's seeking that which is the woman questions Jesus, not knowing who he truly was. Why would you even be asking me for something to drink? Don't you know that I'm a woman and at that I am a Samaritan? Jesus looked at her and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, you would say to me, give me to drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living See, the problem was she did not know the gift or anything about the gift. Nothing of the great salvation plan. 
because all she had was somewhat of a fragment knowledge of God, but not truly knowing about this wonderful plan. And could that not be said again today that we have so messed up the gospel of Jesus Christ that we have so got away from the simplicity of Calvary that believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ and confessing it with your mouth and may I remind that it will always accompany repentance because we got a lot of people and a lot of teaching and it's absolutely true believe in your heart confess you shall be saved that's exactly right but true belief in the heart will always usher in repentance and repentance meaning, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm not in need of your grace. Please forgive me. I turn from the way that I'm living, and now I'm going to follow you. Instead of following the path that I'm walking on, I'm doing an about turn, and my back's to the world instead of before it was back to you, and now I'm following you. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. So Jesus manifested interest in this woman when no one else did and quickly moves this conversation to the spiritual. And though he, he asked her for water to quench his physical thirst, in reality what this woman needed was water to quench her spiritual thirst. John seven thirty seven said, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. You talk about an invitation of all invitations. He said, if any man, he's talking about you, he's talking about me, he's talking again about the drug addict, he's talking about the one walking the street, he's talking about the one that works in the 52nd floor and a tower in New York City, he's talking about the one that's flipping burgers, working for minimum wage, he's talking about whosoever, if you're thirsty, come to me. Don't run to rules, don't run to man, don't run to a preacher. If you're thirsty, run to me, and I guarantee it, I will slate your thirst. Why is it that he would say that? Why is it that he would tell those, if you're thirsty, come unto me? Because we were created as an individual's yearning for relationship with the Heavenly Father. He created us to be that way, but because of the fall of Adam, sin entered into the world we're all born with the sin nature but there's a way to bypass this there's a way to bypass eternal damnation there's a way to now have relationship with the father and let me say it that it is by one person it is not by a denomination it's not by works it is by a person who said i am the way the truth and the life no man coming to the father but by me so if a relationship is desired with the heavenly father we desire god to move upon our behalf it is going to be done one way and one way only and it is the man Christ Jesus and to get to Jesus you've got to go through the cross and to get to the cross you've got to deny yourself because that's the only way he didn't say run to boyfriends don't run to girlfriends don't try to go get another job don't leave your spouse don't go after more money none of that stuff that the world is doing is going to satisfy the spiritual thirst that is within their soul but we see it taking place day in and day out because man is a creature created by God who is thirsty and they're trying to slake the thirst of their heart and their soul by the things of this world. That's why you see all that you see going on. The problem of man is not racism. The problem of man is sin. It's a three-letter word that we don't like to talk about from behind the pulpit anymore that we don't like to say God will save you from sin bypass all of that we start giving them psychology we start giving them humanism we start telling them to be a better you we tell them to be purpose-driven when we need to be telling them to be spirit-led 
Let me say that again. He didn't call you to be purpose-driven. He called you to be spirit-led. Oh, what's my purpose? Your purpose is to be a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said he had living water. Now, don't you know that this instantly caught her attention? Because there was a thirst for more in her life. A for more because she was tired of doing the same thing day after day week after week year after year and now there's a man who stands before her and he says I've got living water and we find that through her response to Jesus that she associated this living water with this ancient well you see so many people are trying to link God is trying to link salvation with the church building they're trying to link it with a denomination. They're trying to link it with a ceremony. And the reality is that these people don't truly know God because he's more than a building. He's more than a lit candle. He's so much more than a statue. He's a living God. Verse 13, he said, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. The soul of man, spiritually speaking, is parched. And the world is constantly trying to satisfy, whether it be through culture, whether it be through education, whether it be through drugs, whether it be through alcohol, sex, accomplishments, even religion. You see, this woman kept coming back day in and day out, and it's indicative of much of the world because it never satisfies. It never satisfies the parched areas of the heart. That is why Jesus said, if you're going to drink of this water, you're going to thirst again because it will never satisfy. There is pleasure in sin. There is pleasure in sin. But let me tell you what the consequences of that is never worth it for that time of indulgence. It's not worth it. It's never worth it because sin will cost you more than you was ever willing to pay and keep you longer than you was ever willing to say. And again, we've heard that said before, but it's true. It is true. Hear me today. It's not worth it. It's not worth going down the wrong path. But verse 14 says, But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. Never thirst but the well that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You're either drinking from the well of living water or you're drinking from the wells of this world. You're either drinking from the well of living water or you're drinking from the wells of this world. And I want to ask us as children of God, as Christians, as believers, which well are you drinking from? Because just as I pointed out in the message when I preached the table of grace and I said you're either pulling up to the table and you're dining here at the table of grace day in and day out and feasting on what he's got or else you're going over here to this table because one of the two you're going to be sitting at. Because the soul of man is thirsty, the soul of man is hungry, so we're either drinking from the well of living water or else we're drinking from the wells of this world. A hot day. A man is thirsty and needs something to quench his thirst. You get out here, you work all day long. You can drink a Pepsi, you can drink a Mountain Dew. If you're trying to watch your weight, you drink a Diet Pepsi, a Diet Mountain Dew. Down here in the South, we love sweet tea. But nothing will quench your thirst like a cool glass of water. And I use that as an example because that's the way that it is with the Lord. We try things to quench our thirst and just for a few moments it satisfies then guess what? We're left parched again, needing more. Because it never satisfies, it never truly takes away the thirst that you have. 
One day I was, uh, and it's probably been over a year and a half ago, the washer <clears throat> machine in our house, our washer and dryer is upstairs, and uh, I went to put on a load of clothes to wash, and I think I was talking to my aunt that day, and I got ready to get off of the phone, and I was getting ready to actually go and pray. Uh, but the Lord, and a lot of people said, there's no way. Oh, yes, there's a way. The Holy Spirit will prompt your heart. Amen. He's everything and everybody. And so anyway, something, he said, go check the laundry room. I thought, go check the laundry room? And here I was getting ready to go pray, and I thought, well, I'll go do that. Go check. I went in there, and when I opened up the door, to my unbeknownst, water was everywhere. The washer, the part on the back of the washing machine had popped off. So in this rinse cycle, it just kept rinsing and rinsing and rinsing and rinsing and rinsing, and water was everywhere. And you can imagine, my hands went through my head. And here it was, I believe, a Tuesday or Wednesday night, getting ready to head to church. I think consequently even had to preach, and I thought, boy, the devil is at work tonight. Water everywhere, and immediately I shut off of the washing machine, and I began to think, oh gosh, nobody was at home to help me. Jordan wasn't at home. Stacy wasn't at home. Nobody was there. It was, just the, it was just me. And you can imagine, I was so frustrated. Man, and when you're like that, you want somebody around you at that moment just to say, I'm so aggravated, I'm so mad, and I had nobody, so all I had to do was talk to the clothes and picture Stacy and Jordan in them. And as I'm beginning to clean up the water, it hit me, oh my gosh, downstairs. And I went flying down the stairs to size that I didn't break my neck. And what do I find? Water pouring out of the return vent and the vent downstairs. And when I was preparing a message and thinking about that, why does water do that? Because when water flows, it will always find its lowest point. You get where I'm going with this. Water will always find its lowest point because it's got to find it. That's why you see in roads, you see the ditches that are dug out. Because if not, the water would wade there upon the street like that you could pass through. But it always finds its lowest point. Hear me today. He wants to pour out water upon you to go to the lowest points, the depths of your heart and of your soul. That water there to heal you. To heal the bruises, to heal the scars, to take away your sin. He wants to do that. Revelation 22, 17 says, Jesus said, Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. You see, there's no cost associated to this water on behalf of the recipient. But rather on the one who is giving. And let me tell you, when things that are dead, they become alive again when they come in contact with the living water. You see, it's the spirit that brings the dead soul back to life. And this water will be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And notice when I say springing up to everlasting life. Listen, this springing up to everlasting life. This means abundant life. This means before we step into the portals of glory, he don't mean for you to be down here miserable, but this well will spring up and cause abundant life to come forth until the day you march into the portals of glory and receive everlasting life. That's why John 10, 10 says, and we know it, that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But he's come that I might, you might have life and life more abundantly. That's that springing up that he desires to do. So not only do you taste of the water and get eternal life, but it will spring forth and bring forth abundant life. Again, the water is given as we see this word used twice. Given. Given. He says it's given because it can't be bought. It was free, and it will slake the thirst. So this so captivated the woman that she said, Give me this water 
so I won't thirst anymore. She realized that there was something more to it than just physical water. She realized there was something else, and she was tired of living her life the way that it was day in and day out. She was at the lowest point. She was in the slop, if you will. And she said, I want something. I want this water to slake my thirst because I'm tired of the way that I'm living. I'm tired of doing the same thing day in and day out. And Jesus then looks at her. So she says, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to receive it because she realized it was something else. And what does Jesus do? He looks at her and says, go and call your husband and come here. Go and get your husband and come here. And she looked at him and she said, I'm sure she cut her eyes to him thinking that she would fool him, not quite yet knowing who he was. And she said, I've got no husband. And we find here that he says, you're right. You've had five husbands and the one that you're living with now, you're not even married to. What does this tell us? Until one sin is seen, you will never savor the Savior. He had to draw out her sin. You will never truly appreciate the cross until you first see yourself for who you really are. See, we like to preach, and but let me tell you, with the gospel of Jesus Christ comes conviction. Because without conviction, you will never truly know, you will never truly appreciate what he did. You have got to see yourself. And he was drawing this woman out to see her sin. He drew you and I out to see our because a failure to see your sin there will be no repentance to come forth that's why when we fail to call out sin when we fail to tell people that they are sinners and that they need saving they'll never truly appreciate Jesus Christ you'll never truly appreciate the cross until you see yourself for who you really are you see the good news only comes from after hearing the bad news you see, the bad news is, is that I'm a sinner. The bad news is that I'm lost and I'm undone and I'm unclean. But the good news is, is that Jesus Christ has came and paid the price of Calvary so that now the bad news can be turned all the way around and he can clean me up, wash me, and make me kingdom ready. The woman was an immoral woman and was the talk of the town. Now, I know that we talk about this woman, and many people, again, in this day and time, would see it and label this woman with the names, and you all know them, and I won't go into them. But I was taught, thinking about this and doing some studying, and I don't, and again, this woman was immoral. It was wrong. She was even living with a man. And let me just say that still fornication is wrong today. I know that today's society thinks, oh, well, if a man and woman could just live together, and it's the same way. Marriage ain't nothing but a piece of paper. That is a lie from the pits of hell. But this woman here had been married five times. Now in that day and time, divorce ran rampant. And that's why Jesus was doing a teaching on marriage and divorce. Because in that day and time, underneath the law, if a man didn't want to be with a woman, he would just divorce her. I don't like how you cook. Out. I don't like how you wash my clothes. Out. I don't like the way you look at me. Out. And the woman, let me tell you, at that day and time, it would like make marriages in the United States today look at healthy statistics. He would, they would get rid of them, and there it would leave the woman and the child there out there on their own to be able to fend for themselves. And so in this day and time, the woman did not divorce the husband. The husband divorced the woman. So five times he looks at her basically saying, is that I see you've been rejected time and time and time again. 
You've been rejected over and over and over again. Nobody wants anything to do with you. In fact, the man that's with you don't even think enough of you to marry you. You've been used up. You've been washed up by all of these people. But I am here to tell you I want everything to do with you. He says, I don't want to reject you. I don't care of what's happened. It doesn't matter. I love you. I want relationship with you. I want you to be with me. I need to be with you. I want communion to instill. I know that man has thrown you away. I know you've been used up. I know that they've done you wrong. I see what all you've went through. But I'm here to tell you, forget about all of that. I can care less about their rejection of you. I want you. So Jesus did not look at her and say, you sinner. He didn't look at her and call her names. He didn't say, you're done. You've done, done it too many times. He just said, I've got water for you that if you'll drink of, you'll never thirst again. You see, so Jesus proceeds on to let her know that there's coming an hour that the true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. And again, I won't get into this because we know what we, we, we just brought it out at the beginning of the message. That he's not looking for people who will worship him only one day a week. But he's looking for people that will worship him not only in a building, but wherever that they're at. So the woman looks at him and says, I know that Messiah comes, which is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And he looks right at her square in the face. And he says, I am he. I am he. There are many of us that we are worried ourselves to death. We have cried out on behalf of our children. And he wants you to know today, I am he. You're right in the middle of a storm. You don't know what to do. And he's saying, I am he. He's telling you, I am that I am. Whatever it is that you need, he's the answer. Amen? So again, he tells her this stuff. He tells her. He reveals himself. There's a revelation that's been made known. He went through all of this great teaching with her. He exposes who he really is. And he finally sees that she's ready. And he says, look here, lady. I am the one. And don't you know that a smile ran across her face. A fire came down within her soul. And she jumps for joy. And by the time the disciples get back, she runs. And the Bible says she left her water pot. Then... She left her water pot. Because you will never truly leave the water pot until you first realize who he is. You see, the water pot represented her shame and her guilt. And she did not carry it back with her, but rather left it at the feet of Jesus. So my question is to you today, what water pot are you carrying with you? Because many times we will pick up the very thing, she left it at his feet where it belonged. We come in with the water pot and we've got things there and Jesus is saying, leave it at my feet, but yeah, we'll carry it with us. It don't matter if it's worry. It don't matter if it's anxiety. It don't matter if it's fear. It don't, it's a sin, a bondage, whatever it is. We realize who Jesus is. He's revealed himself to us. We just believe and accept it, but yeah, we'll take that water pot right back with us. And let's just be honest, if we're honest with ourselves, what water pots are we carrying with us? And let me tell you, she would have never been able to run as fast back to town carrying that water pot like she did when she was free. See, that's what he'll do for you. He'll give you freedom. He takes away the weight. He takes away the bondage. He takes it all away so you don't have to be weighed down. 
That's why I said, come unto me and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And when we start taking up the water pots of life like that, well, let me tell you, we're not enjoying abundant life. So again, it's at his feet. The woman did pick up the very thing she carried day in and day out. But because there was no more need for it, but yet she leaves it where it belongs, right there at the well. You see, the jar that she used every single day to fill now stands empty. But the heart that she didn't come to fill up now was overflowing with living water. You see, she didn't need the water pot anymore because she just received a well of salvation that would never run dry. She took one sip of faith and she would never thirst again. And I can imagine as she's excited, her feet ran back to town. She never ran so fast before. You talking about running a 5K, she would have been the winner. And she runs back to this town and she begins to cry out and begins to proclaim the greatest message that could ever be proclaimed. Come and see a man. The first woman evangelist of the New Testament, it says, come and see a man. And I'm sure when she walked into that town, because everybody knew her scathing past, everybody knew that she had been with every man that there was in town, and she says, come and see a man. And I'm sure that the people thought, oh, here it is. Here's man number seven. She's done been with man one, two, three, four five and six and man number seven but what they didn't realize is that man number seven had touched her like no other man ever could he had touched her and had given her what no other man could he had given her life she said i met a man is this not the one that is christ no doubt her words there was carried with such power and there they seen the, the change in her because when you get saved, your whole countenance even changes and they realize there is a joy there that she didn't have before when she would walk through the town and keep her head down. Now she's looking up because let me tell you, when he touches you, when he saves you, he takes away the guilt, he takes away the shame. That is why there is now therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I care the way you're looking at me and you can bring up all my past all you want to but the person you're talking about is dead and in the tomb the person you're looking at now is a new creature in Christ Jesus she says if you don't believe me then come see for yourself and the Bible then goes on to say goes on to say that many came in so intrigued by what had taken place by her message that this one particular woman was the cause of thousands, no doubtly, giving their heart to Jesus Christ. One thirsty woman. One thirsty woman that wanted something different, that wanted a change, that needed her thirst slated, and now we see why the verse 4 said he must needs to go through Samaria because he was going to use one woman to reach a harvest of souls. That's what he can do with one individual, one person that is thirsty for him, one person that is hungry for him, one person that will be just as Isaiah said in chapter 6, I see the Lord, his train filled the temple, and I said, oh Lord, who am I? And it says, who shall send me? Send me, oh Lord. Send me. What he can do through one thirsty person. He took a nobody who told everybody about a somebody who can save anybody. <laughs> he took a nobody society. He took this old boy that was a nobody. That people thought wouldn't amount to anything. 
He took this individual who had his whole life planned out, who was sinking and sin and on his way to hell. Ain't nobody, ain't nothing. He took me, cleaned me up to tell everybody about a somebody whose name is Jesus. Who can save anybody? What do you mean? Could he save me? Oh, yes, he came just for you. Well, you don't know what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done. His blood will wash you white as snow. You don't know how I failed the Lord. Even said, I've backslid. Come unto me. I could care less about all your junk. I could care less. Don't let that hinder you from coming to me and receiving what I can give you. He took a nobody who told everybody about a somebody who can save anybody. Amen. Stand to your feet. As they come and play and sing whatever they do. You may be here today and those of you that are watching by the way of internet. And I don't know the hearts of each individual. I would pray and trust that everyone's relationship with the Lord is where it ought to be. But I will leave that between you and God. Because he knows the hearts. But maybe you would say that I've never tasted of this living water. And I'm talking to you by the way of internet as well. I've never tasted of this living water that you're talking about. And I'm so thirsty that I can't hardly stand it. I've got good news for you today. He can slake that thirst. Or maybe when I brought out the point about drinking from a well, you don't find yourself at the well of living water anymore, but we've turned to the wells of the world to drink from. Well, today, you can come back to the well of living water. Or maybe you're here today and you begin to carry the water again, the very thing that she left at Jesus' feet, the very thing that he desires for you to leave at his feet because he took care of it all at Calvary, but yet we find ourselves carrying the water pot. And he's saying today, leave, the, leave it here at my feet where it belongs. Because all I need you to do now is be my messenger. To tell others about what I've done for you and that I can do the same for them. Well, maybe you're drinking from the well. Maybe you've left every water pot there. But your desire is to tell others about Jesus. Your desire is to be as this woman with the same energy, with the same fire, with the same passion that would run into town, that would leave everything behind. You don't care about your past. And God's wiped it all clean. And you're just saying, I want to tell others about him. I've got to tell them about this man who told me all things. Is this not the Christ? If that's your heart's desire in any of those areas, I beg of you to respond to the Holy Spirit. Because let me tell you, church, we're living in the last of the last days. And he's depending on you and I of being just like this woman and going back to our city, going back to our school, going back to our job, going back to our family and telling them, come and see a man. Don't you see the changed life? What he did for me he'll do for you. So as they sing whatever the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, I want you to respond to it as they sing.
sorry. I forgot to turn my mic on. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I've tasted of this living water. Amen. I'm so thankful that I've tasted and seen and found that He is good. Amen. I don't know what your heart and what condition of your heart is, and those of you that are watching by the way of online or those that will watch. But let me just say to you today, it doesn't matter what you've done. Just as they sang, come just as you are. That's the cry of Jesus today. Come just as you are. He will change your whole entire life. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this service today. We thank you for your word that has went forth. We thank you, Lord, that you accepted us just as we are, Lord. And God, we got the trading of all tradings. Lord, we gave you our sin. And Lord, you gave us your righteousness. Lord, we gave you our iniquities. And you gave us your perfection, Lord. We gave you all of our junk. And Lord, you gave us your holiness. And Lord, I just pray, God, that we walk in the fullness, Lord God, of all that you died to give, Lord, that we walk in that abundant life each and every single day. And Lord, for the wayward child, for the one, Lord God, that may feel that they've went too far, Lord, I pray that the words that were spoken today would echo in their heart and in their spirit day in and day out, Lord. And let them know, Lord, that you came for them, Lord, that you can slate the thirst if they will just drink of what you have. Lord, we thank you for what you've done today, Lord. And we give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for watching with us by the way of internet. Remember service tonight at 6 p.m. as we will continue on in our study of Galatians. And uh, we'll see you then. We love you and be blessed.